Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for tuning in to Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends, one of the most informative and entertaining talk radio shows today. From social issues and trending topics to sex and relationships, no subject is ever taboo. So join us now for real people, real topics, real talk. Let's face it. Happy New Year, everyone. It is Sunday, January the 3rd, 2016. We are your hosts. I'm Will Strayhorn. And Alicia Brown. Happy New Year, boo. How are you doing? Happy New Year. I am doing wonderful. Wonderful. Are you? Yes. How's your New Year? Yes. Off, to a, off to a good start? God, yes. I... There are no words. Are you still running? Um, running yourself crazy like you were in 2015? No, 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 no. That's why it's so good. That's why. Oh, won't he do it? That <laughs> is why it's so good. I'm going to shock you here. Yesterday, you? I am going to shock you. Yesterday, I did attend a vision board party. Well, I saw the picture. So much, yeah, it was so much more than that. You want to talk about relaxation, restoration, confirmation, restorative power, I mean, all of that and then some. And then wow, it was with really? a good friend of mine. Um, so after that, we just relaxed, did some shopping, re-strategized, streamlined, and like I said, 2016, it's off with the bang. And no, even though I will be very busy, I am not going to run myself ragged. How no, about you? <laughs> Uh, you know what? It's been very uneventful for me. I have, um, you know, New Year's Eve night started. I went to, to New Year's Eve service at church. I was going to go to another service, but then something just led me to my to my home church and um, had a wonderful time. The pastor actually wheeled in a casket, a real-life casket, right? Ooh. And, you know, they gave everybody cards and told them, you know, write down everything that you wanted buried, that you wanted to leave dead mm. in 2015. Yes. And, of course, it was a very emotional experience for me, but I feel great. Um, 2016 right. is off to a good start. Um, I have a lot of good things lined up. Can't wait to share a lot of them. You know, it started out with an interview that I have that's gonna be, we're going to hear tonight with Coco Brown, um, yes. wonderful young lady. She was on with us in 2014 right before her TED funny, came out. Funny, funny, funny. Um, and yeah. we sat down. We just had a good time at the Western Hotel here in Virginia Beach, and it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Have you oh, had a chance to work on any New Year's resolutions, or did oh, you absolutely. say any? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm one of those people, personally, I believe in a New Day resolution. Um, okay. okay. If people want to, you know, use the New Year as a good, you know, benchmark, a good point to start over, that's great. But I just feel like so many times in my past I've started New Year resolutions and you soon drop them. You don't go through with them. So I like to just feel like, you know, it's a new day, new week, whatever, you know, time frame, and just say this needs to be done and this is what you need to do. So, yes, I have started those. And if you want to call them New Year's resolutions, <laughs> yes, we can say yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. But it was before the new year because I feel like, you know, you got to – you got to release some stuff in 2015 so you don't bring it over with you in 2015. Exactly. So exactly. I won't wait to January 1st. I want to go ahead and kick some stuff off before we get to January 1st. So it's a done deal. I know that's right. I know that's right. Well, you know, we have um, our wonderful co-host. We're going to pray for our, um, our brother Nate. 
he's not feeling too well tonight, so he's not with us. But we have the rest of our team here. How's everybody doing? Happy New Year. Happy hey, New Year. Hey, Happy New Year. Hey, hey. All right, now. Yeah. I want to know how many of y'all actually stayed up to ring in the New Year. I well, did. I, I always did. stay up. I did. <laughs> really? I did. I did. And I have actually, um, I don't know if you all remember last week when I told you I was having back pain. Yeah. yeah. I still am having the back pain. I went to the doctor and they diagnosed it as sciatic nerve pain. So I have been in chronic pain since Christmas Day. I'm still in pain. So I don't know what's going on with that. I just really feel like I don't feel to be elderly. and But I feel pushed through on New Year's because I got myself together, boo, honey. And let me tell you, I stepped out. I said I was not going to bring the New Year in the house and in pain. I said I'm going to do this. Wow. And I got cute, and I went, oh, I sure did. And they had my music playing, and, you know, I was in pain, but I was dancing. I was getting it. Don't be jealous of my blood. <laughs> See, no shackles. You just you just going to go with it. Suffer through. Okay. That's I'm what I'm head. talking I'm about. Suffer through. <laughs> go ahead. Press on. Yeah. Press on. Press on. Press on. But it was a good idea at the time, and I, it was good to just get out the house and, you know, just, mm-hmm. just see other people enjoying enjoying the new year. It was really good. It was yeah. safe. It was nobody didn't, nobody didn't act crazy, and. I was around right. in a mature crowd, so you know that was good. Okay, now. I, I saw your pictures. You was looking. You were looking real smooth, Jay. I saw your pictures. I mean, what you, you know? I do. I, I just, I, I just grabbed some rags. Dapper. I yeah. grabbed some rags. <laughs> rags, I thought, you know. Lord, you know, them just too. some clothes. Uh, nothing. A little hat and a little shade can do. You know. <laughs> Superstar Uh-oh. status. I know. How, how was everybody else? How, <laughs> I actually did something different this year than I've ever done, actually. Um, I, I went to a church event because typically I don't. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I had a change of heart because I got invited to go out to a party. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. I got As I was getting dressed, I was like, I want to do something different this year. So mm-hmm. uh, I invited the whole family, and we got up and went to the Ted Constance Center to the mall. Oh, my gosh. That's and where I wanted to go. was an experience. Wasn't it off the hook? Oh, my God. I waited in line. At first, I was complaining because, you know, black folks yeah. complain when you got to wait. And yeah. I was like, yeah. this door, if they don't let us in, it's cold outside. I'm not about this mm-hmm. life. Um, who am I standing outside <laughs> for? You know, I'm just running my mouth in the line waiting in the cup. Well, by the time I got inside, oh, it was worth it from the moment I sat down. I know. To the very I know. End. I said, All right. oh, this is going to be an every year thing. Every year they yeah. have it. I will be sitting my butt up in there. Okay. Uh, we were on our way there. We were on our way there. It was. I know. I saw your pictures and your videos. Yeah. They were really nice. Oh my god. Really. Nice. It was a good time. But the message, like, and I enjoyed all the entertainment, but Bishop's message was the mm-hmm. truth. And he came out. He had. You didn't even know it was him because it was his mm-hmm. video. He had on these lights. He, it was a dance, dancing, dancing in front of you. So you're like, who is this dancer? He pulls off the little cover over his head, and it's the bishop. He had a hoverboard dancing. I said, oh, right. he was on the hoverboard. It, he, he came in there on the hoverboard dancing, what? doing dancing. Oh, you thought no. it was, a, you thought it was a young man dancer. Okay, uh, he put that thing off. I said, oh my God, that's the bishop. He was Father. not playing. God. I hate that I missed that. I hate that. Who yeah. won the um the step show? Um, they didn't have a official 
winner. Oh, they didn't. Okay. They just no. I, they just allowed. I think last year the AKA and the Cubs mm-hmm. one. I think it was nice. Did Latoya Luckett perform? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. That was that was a surprise because this time instead of doing that competition, they did a, a karaoke competition for each church. And then right. he said, "Well, I have a surprise for Global." Um, Mount Global, and so she came out and performed her song. So you know she she was gonna be the winner because she killed yeah. it. But, so it was uh, a good time, real good time. I enjoyed myself. All right. What about you, Liz? Um, I actually did stay up this year, but I was in church. Oh, I was right. in church. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, I really didn't have any New Year's plans, and then I got invited to church, and I was like, you know. Been some years since I spent New Year's in church. So at midnight, I was in prayer, like the Christian woman. <laughs> okay. Okay. Father well, and God. Christian woman. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, I had a very relaxing weekend. Um, I'm not really ready for the week to start, but can't avoid Mondays. So. All right. Aww. Well. Yeah. It's okay yeah. though. It was Monday Blues. <laughs> Nothing a little Starbucks won't save. That, this is so true. Well, yeah, you know, our our favorite part of the show is Hot Topics. And there's some that I would rather not talk about, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about this one. Of course, it's no surprise to anybody, this week you saw it, Bill Cosby that was arranged on the yeah. aggravated and decent assaults. And personally, I'll say, wherever you stand on the issue, it was just so sad to see him, you know, see them lead him up the steps and the look on his face. I mean, it was just, to me, the saddest thing in the world. But um, the charge by the Montgomery County District Attorney's Office uh, was for what was filed 12 years, well, it was filed 12 years after the alleged event. Um, And actually, from what the Cosby's attorney said after the arraignment, um, it was filed, you know, when it was originally filed, it was on the heels of a hotly contested election for that county's DA. Um, so they're trying to say that, you know, he's pursuing this or, you know, at the time it was, you know, erroneously filed because he was going for DA and blah, 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 blah. But he was accused of drugging and sexually assaulting a former Temple University employee um, when she visited his suburban Philadelphia home back in 2004. Um, so one of the questions I wanted to ask, because if you follow social media on this, it was just a mixed crowd between why are you charging this man after all of these years, you should just leave him alone, and then you have the other crowd that were just like, look, he committed a crime, the amount of time doesn't make a difference, if you're guilty, you're guilty. So do you guys really feel that time to make a difference when it comes to a conviction. No. No, I think he should be charged if he committed any crime, especially those types of crimes that they are alleging, that at any point he should be able to be charged for that stuff. Okay. This is, I mean, I don't know. It's just this whole Bill Cosby thing has really caused a huge division in the community. Um. A lot of people are so, and this is what I want—I want people to understand—is that the Cosby Show is a television show. It was mm-hmm. fiction based on the reality of what we wanted our lives to be like. Right. And mm-hmm. 
these are characters that were created for a show that was written, you know, for us in, to, to be entertained in our homes. So what Cosby did outside of that show has nothing to do with that show. So I, I think people are so, oh, my God, he just saved the day. He really influenced me to do this. Okay, that's good, fine, and dandy. But if this man really did these things, yes, he should be charged. And I'm not going to take nothing from him. I still mm-hmm. think that that somewhere deep down inside he's a good guy. I don't think that I'm. I can't take nothing from what he has done that was positive. However, we still have to talk about what you done that was wrong. And and if you did this th- these things to these women, if you took something from them, you need to be charged for it. I, I don't care if you're a hundred years old. It's still. But I do think that they are really playing on it really hard. Like they're really like, oh God, their boost. The media is like really eating this up. This is wonderful for them. Especially I for, agree. Um, you know, it, for the others. And when but, you hear you know, about cases uh, for other people, they don't boost it the same way because we've had some really other uh, Caucasian individuals who do some pretty there. sick things, and we don't hear about it as much as we hear about Bill Cox. Mm-hmm. And I do want to mention the phone lines are open. Um, so number one seven one three nine five five zero seven nine three. Um, the chat's open. If you want to voice your opinion or ask questions anytime during the broadcast, just hit one. Again, one seven one three nine five five zero seven nine three, and press one to be live on the air. Um, but Danielle, it's interesting you said that because uh, Mia Farrow even came out and talked mm-hmm. about you know Bill Cosby being a possible um, comparable to Woody Allen, and. Mm-hmm. You know, People have had media coverage on, you know, we remember when that happened, but it's still not the same. And you can go down the list of other people, other ethnicities, where it wasn't blown up like this. And actually, it was something else somebody put on Facebook. Um, You know, throughout the years, he's tried to buy NBC, and they were saying that possibly he was trying to buy CBS, and they're wondering if it's some connection with that, with why they're actually publicizing this so much. Uh, it's always a conspiracy. It's just—it's always more to the story. They know more than what uh-huh. we know. Um, obviously, right. it's not something new. It's not something new. Obviously, this happened years ago, and it was it, when you have money, you uh-huh. can put things, you can hush things, and I mean, clearly, he's paid people off to keep quiet. You know, just yep. like Charlie Sheen paid people to keep quiet about his HIV uh-huh. status. I mean, it's the same situation, you know, uh-huh. but. I don't know. I mean, I feel bad for the people who are connected to him, you know, right. um, his like his wife, but she is a soldier. And when I yes. say she's a fighter and she has stood by his side, um, she reminds me of Hillary Clinton a lot. You know, she stood by his side the whole time that went on. I mean, she didn't say, I'm going to leave you because of what you did. And she's still married to him to this day. So, you know, I don't know. We're going to see how this all unfolds. Well, yeah. And I know, Jay, so, you were mentioning something to us on um, inequality. Yes, yes, yes. So you know me. I'm always stumbling on these articles. So this one particular <laughs> article is about this, this this young black girl who is originally from Wisconsin, and she now lives in Harlem. Wow, what a culture shock, right? Um, <laughs> she she basically, you know, she talks of how she gets her hair done. She has locks, and she goes into the barbershop where she gets her locks done, and she basically does not feel like she sits in with her black culture. And, you know, her, her hairstylist had done some type of handshake. 
that she was not familiar with. And basically her hairstylist was like, oh, God, um, you don't know that shape? You, you, I mean, all, all black people know that handshake or whatever. And she has always felt like she never fit in growing up around majority of, you know, a lot of white people. You know, of course, her look was not the look of a typical white person, I mean, or a typical black person or whatever those stereotypes that may be that black people look like, you know, that she knew that she did not fit that list of, you know, stereotypes. And like, she mm-hmm. looked like a black girl. You know, every time she walked in the store, it was enough for people to kind of, like, watch her and look around the store to see if she wasn't feeling anything until she opened up her mouth. And they was like, oh, you're not like the other black people. <laughs> so it, 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 so I guess that proceeds to my question, you know, how, when, when do you, how, what is acting black? What is that anyway? What is acting black? What is acting white? And And, you know, do any of you feel like, or any of our listeners, do they feel like you fit in with the culture fully? I'll say this. Hmm. Growing up, I was always accused of I act white. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people will tease me. You know, you have some people, small-minded people always, no matter what age you are, will occasionally say that. But what their determination of that was, was that, oh, well, you enunciate. Um, mm-hmm. You know big words. Uh, you know, you're really smart. And, you know, I'm looking at people, again, with maturity you understand people can only give you out of their cup of reference. Um, Uh That's their mind. That's what's in their spirit. Did you realize, and, you know, all the people that said this, you were African-American. Do you realize you Mm -hmm. didn't put down your own race? So you're saying that because you're black, you're not supposed to be educated. You're not supposed to use good grammar enunciation and no Mm -hmm. words you're not supposed to be well read so you're supposed to be stupid how is that a good thing but yet you think it's funny when you're accusing me of that and now Mm -hmm. into part two you know as we all know on the show you are your unique person so Mm -hmm. if society says this is what black is and this is what you need to do to fit in who wants to fit in when you were born Mm -hmm. to stand out you know, you exactly. have to uniquely be who you are and be comfortable in your own skin. And sometimes everybody's not going to like that. But you mm-hmm. have to learn how to walk in the authority that you have and being uniquely you. So that's my answer to that. But I, but I, sometimes I feel like when you're a black child, whether you're a man or a woman, when you're educated and you speak as if though you have been educated, you feel like you're threatened. You're 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 a threat to the Caucasian community, and then you feel like you're trying to pretend to be better than the black community. And, like, sometimes I, I've never been told that I was, um, I guess I act white. I've been told that I was bougie, but I'm not going to go there. Um, but I, I just, I just, I, I don't, I, I, I love the fact that as we get older, we learn who we are, and there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with speaking with enunciation, but sometimes I, I do find myself switching things on and off depending on what type of atmosphere mm-hmm. that I'm in. If I'm if I'm around a certain group of friends, I can you know I can do certain things. But when I'm in a room where I feel like maybe the CEO is there or a certain particular person, you 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 kind of pay attention to how you say things. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's like it's like that switch that comes on and off. <laughs> but you know what? I think that's a cultural thing. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is because, all right, let's say we were white. Common mm-hmm. sense is you don't go in the boardroom and act the way you act, 
if you own, you know, you're at the club or you're at a party. Right. Different environments mm-hmm. cause for you to act different ways. Are you putting on a, 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 a facade? Well, no, that determines on you. I mean, if you're a person mm-hmm. living a double life and, you know, whatever, whatever. So, again, it's those same people that said, you asking bougie, you asking white. No. If I'm with my friends and we use slang, okay, we're using slang, but I'm not going to sit up here and give a professional presentation and use slang in that, well, you know, like, hey. Exactly. No. Right. Exactly. So each each environment you're in does cause for you to act differently in in perspective, but it's like, you know, if you were Caucasian, we wouldn't be having this discussion. It would just be a normal thing you do. But if you're black and you're doing it, if you're in those environments where they have those preconceived notions, you're acting white or you're acting bougie or it's a negative connotation. So, again, I put that ball back in the court of those negative people or those small-minded people or those people where that's the frame of reference you come from. Hey, if that's how you perceive me, you perceive me. I'm still going to be authentically who I am. Yeah, Exactly. As you should. You know, I share um, experiences as well. Growing up, people used to always – I actually used to get bullied for it because um, I didn't yeah. go to the school where I lived. I actually went to a school where my cousin was. Um, okay. It was a totally different culture. Um, and when I went there, I was tormented pretty much, and I think it was based upon – number one, it was a culture shock. Unfortunately, I don't have that, that – um, come from the hood testimony. That's not my testimony. Uh, we weren't rich, but my parents worked hard so that we could have nice things. So when I went over there, you know, I didn't dumb myself down to fit in. So I spoke well. I, I made sure that I was doing my homework. Like I said, I had a had a really good um, GPA. And I was in clubs, clubs that typically blacks weren't a part of. So they just took that I was trying to achieve and that I spoke well as me trying to be white. Um, I've always been a person that who could I could pretty much – acclimate to certain situations without dumbing myself down. Um, so when a couple people got to know who I was and took the time to get to know me, they realized that I wasn't, in fact, trying to act white, that I was, you know, I was just being myself. So it just took a while for them to get to know me, but initially they just thought because I spoke well and that I came from a different neighborhood that it was me trying to be white. So that was just pretty much ignorance on their part. Exactly. Yeah. And that brings yeah. up a point, too, like when you say, like, trying to act white, trying to act black, that's all perception, how mm-hmm. you perceive black people to be. Culture is a, the same way. We all have our own culture, and I think we do want to fit in with our culture to a degree, but you can't say that all black people are a certain way because right. there are different components in our culture just as any right. other race. So when people make statements, because I went to an all, all-black college, and when I was there, I caught it sometimes, but I would always go back and be like, oh, I'm acting white. Explain what white is then. Let's, let's mm-hmm. have a discussion. Right. And they would look at me like I was crazy because, like, I don't know how to play spades. And if, you can't be black if you don't know how to play spades. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, so tell me. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't know how to play spades either. I don't know how to play spades. Exactly. Yeah, but <laughs> and but I when you like, none of us are black, play. okay. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> when you address the ignorance and make them think it through, then most times they see, well, that was a dumbass statement. But yeah. um, you have to call people out on it because people just don't understand. They think that their frame of reference is the truth. For everybody. Yeah. And no, that's your frame of reference, your perception. And I might perceive myself to be purple, and that's okay because that's yeah. my perception. So don't tell me what I am. 
Thank you. Didn't we have that experience at the Christmas party? Nobody knew how to play spades, and they were like, you know, you don't know how to play spades. <laughs> how you going to call us out, dog? How you going to call us out like that? <laughs> I'm just saying. I thought what happened at the Christmas party stayed at the Christmas party. You're right. You're right. I'm party. sorry. You know? I'm man. Sorry. Also, also, when well, the party's starting to come out, oh, little things are starting to come out. Okay, I'm learning. Okay, I'm learning. <laughs> but, you know, don't we listen. have a caller. Yeah, we have a call on the line. We have Jacoby from Norfolk, Virginia. He's calling in to talk to us about the Bill Cosby. Okay. Perfect. Hi, Jacoby. Welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? Hey, you have something to say about Bill Cosby, right? Yeah, I want to congratulate you on your great show and your great topics. I mean, I've enjoyed it so far. Yeah, I was just going to say, that being a black CEO, I've noticed that when people reach a certain pinnacle of success, especially black men in powerful positions, be it Michael Jackson, Bill Cosby, Mike Tyson, Tupac Shakur, they always try to attack their characters by accusing them of some kind of rape charge or getting them involved in that. So this is really, some of it is conspired. While there may be some underlying truth, they haven't gone after Hugh Hefner, who has those same drugs handed out like candy at the Playboy Mansion. <laughs> they have attacked him for the same thing. And he has a 15-year-old there as a playmate at the Playboy Mansion. What yeah. does she think was happening at the Playboy Mansion? You know, so mm. that is something that I would like to address. But more than that, Michael Jackson, when he bought the Beatles catalog, they mm. just, they knew, they liked Michael Jackson, but the white people loved the Beatles. So they mm-hmm. were just determined to get him off of his pedestal. First of all, they dropped all of those charges later on about the sexual allegations against the children. They found that, that none of that was funded and nothing nothing was true with the, the actual person that had got the money, committed suicide. That young child that, you know, he paid off, he committed suicide because he didn't want Michael Jackson to go to jail. And with mm. Bill Cosby, I just think that there is some truth, but it won't know nothing that was not out of the norm during that time frame. People use uppers. And a lot of those girls, they've got on the casting couch trying to be cast, and they were willing. So it wasn't like, I think, that they were contributors as well. So they were there for a purpose. All right. And um, you don't get on the casting couch. You know what happens on the casting couch. I mean, that's Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's that's my take on that. But with that Beatles catalog, when people are in a high position, white people want to see them lower. They rather see them humiliated, so they assassinate their characters first before they kill them. Hopefully, trying to get them to kill themselves or go insane. Well, well, thanks, Jacoby, for calling in. We appreciate you listening to the show. Thank you. God bless you. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes. Bye-bye. So wow. true. So true. Awesome yeah. point there. You know, nothing is, is like what it seems. But, you know, what we're going to do at this point, we're going to take a quick commercial break. Um, again, keep in mind the number one seven one three nine five five zero seven three, 973 or excuse me, 0793, excuse me, and press 1 to be live. When we come back, We are going to have life coach, author, and also owner of Intimate Conversations with Women, Caprice Elmore, come on. And if you ever need advice to really start off a great new year, you want to hear what she has to say. We'll be right back to Let's Face It. These are my confessions Just when I thought I said all I can say My chick on the side She got one on the way 
The human voice. It can be sweet as music, powerful as thunder, and so, my fellow Americans, cheerful as laughter. <laughs> but for millions of people, it can also be a sign of COPD. This serious lung disease can make it so hard to breathe, you often can't catch a breath or finish a sentence, let alone carry a tune. And many who have COPD don't even know it. That's where your voice comes in. If you think you or a loved one have symptoms, talk with a health care provider. Early diagnosis can mean better treatments and quality of life. Join us in raising our voices for the millions of COPD who can't. Learn more, breathe better at NIH.gov. You listen when your body says, I'm tired or I'm hungry. Are you listening? Would you listen if your body said, I have pain and pressure in my abdomen. I feel bloated for no good reason or I get too full too fast. I'm spotting, but I've already gone through menopause. Or I have to go to the bathroom more often and more urgently than usual. These can be signs of a gynecologic cancer, like cervical, ovarian, uterine, vaginal, and vulvar cancers. Symptoms aren't the same for everyone. If your body says something may be wrong, please listen, learn the symptoms, and get the inside knowledge about gynecologic cancers. Call 1-800-CDC-INFO. A message from the Inside Knowledge Campaign and the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Hi, this is Terry Crews, actor, former football player, game show host, father of five, and all-around big dude. I'm also an expert on drama. I know all kinds of drama. There's the good kind that comes with having a house full of kids. There's the bad kind, like season-ending injuries. There's the necessary kind, like having an agent in Hollywood. And there's silly drama, like the drama around my percolating pectorals. And then there's the drama you can skip. Skip the drama that comes with not having your high school diploma or equivalency. Find free adult education classes near you and finish your high school diploma. Visit finishyourdiploma.org. Or text DIPLOMA to 97779. Message and data rates may apply. Reply STOP to opt out. Touch DIPLOMA to 97779. And leave the drama to actors like me. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ed Council. Welcome back to Let's Face It. I'm your host, Alicia Brown. Our first guest tonight is Caprice Elmore. She's an author, a life coach, and the owner of Intimate Conversations with Women. In her own words, she helps women to become a better version of themselves. So as we start off this new year, I can't think of a better person to help us start out on the right foot. So please help me welcome Caprice Elmore to the show. Caprice, how are you this evening? I am doing well, Miss Alicia. I am doing well. How are you? All right, ma'am. I am awesome. We are so happy to have you here. You know we just rung in a new year. 
um, and, and your company brand is called Intimate Conversations with Women. You just recently published a book with the same title, and that subtitle says how several transparent conversations helped you find your purpose. So can you share with our viewers, our listeners, the importance of their conversations and how that relates to their success in 2016? Yes. First, I want to say I'm happy to be the the first one on here for 2016. It is an honor to actually be on the radio show for New Year, New You. People don't realize there is power in conversation. Sometimes we as people, women in particular, overlook conversations that can benefit our lives. We just don't pay attention. The word says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. So a conversation can either help you or hurt you. In 2016, I encourage your listeners to pay attention and listen to each conversation you have because you never know just when one conversation can give you an aha moment that can actually change your life. Mm. Mm. And I want you to elaborate on that because you said something about sometimes we just overlook a conversation that could really help us. There is power in words, so therefore there's power in conversation. Conversations run deep. Conversations actually run deep when you have it with the right person. Once you start talking, you start really listening to what they have to say, somewhere in that conversation is going to benefit you. It can either grow you or it can hurt you. But you just have to be, you have to realize what you're going to take from the conversation. But pay attention to the conversations because those intimate details can be a trigger that gets you out of some situations. Mm. Okay, I'm going to have to jot that down. In, in your book, you talked about how several transparent conversations actually help you discover your purpose. Uh, can you tell our listeners about that? Wow, Alicia. It helped me in so many ways. The book talks about the transparent conversations that I had that inspired me, just me, to pursue my purpose. When I started this, I started this with women just to try to help them, to try to encourage them. But in return, I was helping myself without even knowing it. Mm-hmm. I'm because transparent means easy to see through, clear. Now, once I sat back and I reflected over the conversation that we, me and the women had, it was just like, wow. I started to inspire and be inspired. And I wanted to do something more, give more of myself. I already had my bachelor's degree, you know, master's degree, the education down pat. But that wasn't what the ladies needed. They needed something to help them get unstuck. They needed more. And the master's degree in public administration was not going to do it. Okay. So basically, I started researching for something more, and I started looking at different things. A lot of people kept saying, you know, you remind me of Yala. You remind me of Yala. And I said, well, well what do Yala do? Let me do a little bit of research. And when I researched it, he was a life coach. And I said, oh, okay, so that's what I'm doing. I was doing it, just really wasn't doing it with the title. Right. But during the conversation that I had with the women, it made me realize I was already doing my purpose. I just needed to put a title on it. So, Priest, this is Danielle, and as I'm listening to you, I'm also a life coach, and I understand exactly what you're talking about because – your job is to help others, but in return, they are blessing you as well. So I know firsthand what that feels like. 
Uh, my question for you, as we start this new year, 2016, and I can speak for myself and our listeners, you set these goals and expectations, these New Year's resolutions, saying I'm going to change this about myself and that about myself. But then before three months is over, you back to your old habits. What advice would you give to listeners to help them stay on track this year with their resolutions? Number one is don't make a resolution. Make a lifestyle change. When you set a resolution, it's something like a goal, but it's often unattainable. Resolutions are unattainable when you're not doing them right. Make a lifestyle change because everybody says, oh, the next year I'm going to make a resolution, and it doesn't work. When you do a lifestyle a lifestyle change requires baby steps. The longer you do something, the more it will become the normal, and then you have your change. But if you want to just go into it, it's not going to work. You know, my teacher used to always ask the question, how do you eat an elephant? I know everybody probably heard that story. We all come up with some ways on how we'll eat it. And then she said, you eat it one bite at a time. Sure. And then you're like, oh, you're right. So one step at a time. Don't make no drastic long resolution. Set one lifestyle change and go for that, and then then you'll eventually be changed to what you want to be. Hmm. Hi, Caprice. This is Liz. How are you? I'm doing well, Liz. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. In Chapter 3 of your book, Intimate Conversations with Women, asks, is your attitude blocking your breakthrough? Can you tell us in what ways might a person's attitude block their success or breakthrough, especially those areas that we might, might not be aware of? Girl, <laughs> <laughs> I can look at this in so many ways. Your mm. attitude can make you or break you. I have seen people that have been in a good position to get a promotion not get it because of their attitude. I have seen women who have met a good man but did not finish to complete the marriage because of their bad attitude. <laughs> if, if your attitude is off, People will not want to deal with you. If you are nasty, disrespectful, you'll get nothing. You can be what the world calls the most prettiest woman, but if your attitude overshadows your looks, your blessing of that man will never happen. Now, in another way, your attitude can block your blessings if you are always negative, saying negative things to yourself or even letting other people feed you negativity. As I said before, there's power in words. So you are what you attract. You can cause your own self to lose your blessing by your negativity. A blessing could be sitting right in front of your face, but the mere fact that you said, I will never get it, or I can't get it, your blessings will never come. That's it. Whew. Jesus. <laughs> she just took me someplace. I, I love that, though. <laughs> I love it because it's so true. And like you said, it's either the person, you know, they can have a nasty attitude. And sometimes, you know, we, we understand that completely. But like you said, exactly. the way that person speaks to themselves. Um, exactly. And that's something always that often is overlooked. Always be your best self. And only you know what that best self is. Mm, okay. Well, I want to throw a caveat in there. What What would you say to listeners to say they don't really – they're not in tuned with themselves to know what their best self is. 
Well, you need to do what I call take an inner journey, take a self-reflection. Once you go into your inner journey, knowing your inner self, you know it. You know it's there, and then you will be able to know what your best self is. But only you can know that. But it takes time. The world is going so fast. People don't take time to know themselves. That's why so many bad decisions are made. That's why I believe in motivating women to become a better version of yourself. I don't believe in changing yourself because Psalm says we are beautifully and wonderfully made. So why change something God already did? I want you to go inside yourself, understand who you are, so you can be a better version of yourself. I didn't change Caprice. I understood Caprice. And once I understood Caprice, I was better to make better decisions for Caprice. All right. I love that. And I just have to tell you, for I have another question for you, but I have to tell you, we have a uh, male listener <laughs> who is loving everything you're saying, and he is saying that you are giving him life right now. Um, he feels like a praise Nancy. So, you know, this, this advice is good for the men as well, even though, you know, yeah. <laughs> It's intimate conversations with women, but men, you are more than welcome to buy the book as well. It's okay. More than welcome. I, I coach them. I coach them all. Oh, okay. Everybody ma'am. needs to get to the next level, and everybody has to understand it's in them. They just need somebody to help bring it out and show them where to get it from. Exactly. Well, you know, Caprice, in chapter seven of your book, you talked about releasing the shackles. What are some of the things that have us bound that we might not realize? Mm. Well, when I think about that, so, mm, what we don't realize, that's a good question, Alicia. But oftentimes, we don't realize what is holding us back is not really the question. Is are we mm-hmm. willing and ready to release it? Because we know what's holding us back, but we're not willing to release it, i.e., old boyfriends ex-husbands, long-time friends that we know don't mean us any good, but we still want to hold on to them because what? We say they are childhood friends. We need to let them go. In my case, it was forgiveness. Forgiveness was my shackles. I knew it. Now, if you ever went to church, you could relate to this next scenario. Uh Time after time, my pastor would preach on unforgiveness. And you know how we do. We look around in the church like, oh, they ain't talking about me. I ain't talking about me. But we know in the pit of our stomach, as of me, that was talking about me. Once I decided to release it, I became free from where I am, and now I'm on the radio talking to y'all. But it took me 45 years to release it. Not that I didn't know. I knew what it was. I just had to be ready to release it and let it go. So we do know we're just not ready to release it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, I'm trying to focus, but you're taking me certain places. Um, <laughs> with your intimate conversations with women group, um, according to the book, seven months, you had one attendee that started her financial company. You had another one that started a shoe line. Um, so whether it's a, a business or it's just getting the courage to make a life a major lifestyle change, how do we release those things that bind us and just get the courage to, to to make that move? Well, one, the first thing is we have to release 
and take an inner journey, as I said earlier, and doing some self-reflection, like who am I, what do I want, how bad do I want it, and what does God want me to do? Then you start letting go of everything that can hinder you from that process. Now, I mean everything. If they're not for you, then you need to let them go. If they don't understand your vision, then you need to let them go. But the number Mm. one thing is fear. But if God says it, then fear should be out of the picture because you know that he has your back. So just step out and do it. And these women that was in there in the group, by them keep coming, that's how they was able to get their strength. They were seeing other people in the group doing things, other people, you know, going to school and doing things like that. And it was like, you know what? I always had this in me. And I did a segment on um, business, blessings, and branding. And once I did that segment at the intimate conversations meeting, they were like, oh, I got this. And they, they, they was able to release it. But you have to know who you are, what you're doing it for, and how bad you want it, and then go get it. Caprice, your book is jam-packed with nuggets, jam-packed. But there was one statement that I saw that says, sometimes motivation comes wrapped as sandpaper. Can you please elaborate on that for me? <laughs> we don't like sandpaper. Sandpaper Mm-mm. hurts. Mm-mm. But sometimes motivation comes wrapped in sandpaper. I love that saying because it's true. How many times as women we found ourselves in a bad relationship, but if we hadn't been in that relationship, we could not have found out certain things about ourselves. That's right. But by being in that relationship, it motivated us to want to do better, want to be better, and want to get better. Sandpaper. Mm. Sandpaper is hard, but used the right way, think about it. It can help you. We want to be motivated, but we don't want the hurt that comes from the sandpaper. Think about this. When you have an old wooden table, have you ever had a wooden table before? And you've seen somebody rub it with sandpaper, and you see that beautiful shine, Uh You're motivated to want to wipe the whole thing. So it motivated you to want to wipe the whole whole thing clean, and then once you wipe the whole thing clean with sandpaper, you have that beautiful shine, and that's us. So you had to be motivated because once you've seen that little shine with that sandpaper, you want to go the rest of the way. So that's why I say motivation comes wrapped in sandpaper because it may hurt, but it's going to help you in the end. You know, I think out of all the guests we've had, you're one of the best and one of the worst to interview because it's very hard <laughs> to stay focused because you just want to shout. I mean, you are just really, I have people that are texting, and they're just like, I need to get a copy of that book. She is just, she is saying some stuff. It's that simple, but it, it, it's, wow. It so you're you're really making an impact. I want to tell you that. Um Wonderful information for us to just launch forward in a brand new year. But in your book, you share some very personal things. And I want to share one quote that struck with me that so many men and women feel, and they feel in various areas. You said, I remember screaming in my pillow saying, I am worthy. Won't someone see it? I wanted friends or anyone that would see my worth. I wanted it so bad that I would do anything to get it. So for those that are listening and they're in that space right now, um, they might be fighting in, in their 
businesses or their romantic relationships, their uh, work environments. They're working so hard to do what they feel will, will get them that type of recognition and acceptance that proves their worth. What advice do you give them from the lessons that you learned? Well, you know, I can still remember those days. I was screaming in my pillow in my room. But let me just say one thing about that. When you, I don't want to get a book away, but when you get violated, you feel like your worth is taken away. Because if somebody can do something to you, you're not worth anything. So then you turn into a people pleaser. So when in that statement there, it was I was doing anything. I was jumping from friend to friend, telling this person business to this person business, just so that I can be, you know, friend, just so people please it, until you actually find out who you are when you take that inner journey. And what I learned through this journey called life, that there's no greater worth than your self-worth. None. As I stated earlier, once you take that inner journey with yourself, and have that intimate, deep conversation with yourself, you'll begin to discover who you are. Then, and only then, you'll realize you are worthy, regardless of what people may say or think. I'm going to keep it real with you. The hardest part of me launching my life practice was the pricing, because I'm naturally a server, and I was a giver. I Mm -hmm. felt like, once again, this is a little bit of, I, I know I'm worthy. But, you know, you still have the doubt. You know, you have the devil on one side and the the angel on the other. And I felt like, oh, these women can't afford it, and they're not going to be able to pay the price. And then I did some self-reflection again and said, wait a minute, Caprice. I'm worthy of every penny because I believe in me. And what I have to offer, I believe in that. So I am worthy of the money. And as far as the recognition goes, you are somebody regardless of what anybody says. My husband always said, you got two hands. Take one of them and pat yourself on the back. That's your recognition right there. You are your own children. I like so that. So you don't need anybody's acceptance or approve your work. Once you know it, own it, and walk in it. That's as simple as that. Mm. All right. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so that's I just want to say that's what I do have now. I'm back. That's it. It's as simple as that. All right. Well, Caprice, I just want to say we have really enjoyed having you on the show, and I personally have learned so much in this interview in just a short amount of time. But can you please tell our listeners how they can follow you, purchase your book, or even get more information on the life coaching services you offer? Yes. Um, I had a wonderful time as well. I just want to put that out there. And to book me for speaking engagements, life coaching services, and to purchase my book, you can go to my website, which is www.capriceelmore.com. I'm going to spell it for you, C-A-P-R-I-S-E-L-M-O-R-E.com. And you also can follow me on social media, like the Instagram is Caprice S. Elmore. My Twitter is Caprice underscore Elmore. And my Facebook group is Intimate Conversation with Women. But the last right. thing I want to say is, to all your listeners, right now, if they buy the book within 48 hours, they will get 10% off. And that's going that's by going to CaprieSelmore.com. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. 
you know, I, I'm trying to focus. We are really, you, like I said, you're giving us a hard time in a good way because I keep getting messages of people who are just like, I got to go get that book. I got to go get that book. She is just giving us life. She is just, she just, she just, she just. I want to give you a few additional minutes. Um, is there anything else you also would like to share? What I would like to share is walk in your purpose this year. Women, if you don't know your purpose, you need to find your purpose or help have somebody help you get your purpose. There's plenty of people out there to help you. I, myself, as a life coach, I love helping women get to their purpose because once they're there, then they're able to make better decisions about yourself. Know who you are, know your purpose, and walk in it so that you can make better decisions for yourself. It's all about the decisions for your life. People don't realize decisions can either make you a break. This, 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 when you make a decision, this, I always tell my daughter, when you make this decision, there's a consequence and there's a reward. Are you able to accept either one that comes? So be careful. Okay. Make your decision. Okay, I love that. And I do have one last question because we have a couple people that are in Virginia Beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and they, they literally want to know, is there a way that they could um, – uh, logo purchase your book. Yes, you can. You can go on my website, and you also can put in. Um, there's a, a, a. You can email me. You can email me and said you want a personal copy, and I can meet you and actually give you the book, and I can sign it for you. Perfect, because I know we have a few people um, who who are sitting here and they're saying I, I need that book, and, but they are in Virginia Beach, um, so I, I was going to offer can- them. And Alicia, yes. you, they also go to um, Express Mail and Business. Yes. 5200 um, Fairfield Shopping Center. They do carry my book. They can go there and purchase the book. Okay, it's that's It's in their Mm-hmm. Express that Mail and Business. Well, again, Caprice, we, we thank you. We thank you so much. Um, again, I always love authors on the show. But I also like life coaches because um, it's something that people don't understand exactly what you do. Mm-hmm. And when they get the chance to talk to you and, and they see you in action, they have a better understanding of what you offer and what services you offer and how you can benefit them. Um, so we are just so thankful for all the advice you've given us this evening, all the ways we can use that to go forward. We definitely have to have you come back on the show again. And we need everybody to go to Caprice Elmore, that is C-A-P-R-I-S-E-L-M-O-R-E.com. Remember, 48 hours, there's that 10% off to purchase her book. And like she said, she does have the information if you're local in Virginia Beach area where you can go purchase it at Express uh, Mail as well. Um, Again, thank you so much. And you have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Y'all have a wonderful evening as well. It was wonderful talking to y'all. Until we All meet right again. Now. All right. Whew. I just, I, yeah. It, it's going to take a minute for me um, to get together. So you know what? We're going to go and take a quick commercial. I need to process all that great information. And we'll return shortly with another surprise for you on Let's Face It. Thank you. 
they just told us right away that we're going to house you, we're going to feed you, and every single one of his medical bills is just all taken care of. They've saved my family from financial ruin. It allowed me and my wife both to focus on the most important thing, which was the health and well-being of our son. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. And that's what makes St. Jude so magical. At St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Doctors send us the toughest cases to be treated at St. Jude, and our patients come from all over the world. When we come here, they told me, don't worry, everything's been taken care of. We could never repay St. Jude for what they've given us. Because of you. Gracias a ti. Because of you. There is St. Jude. To fasten your seatbelt, insert the metal fittings and tighten the strap. And in the event of a sudden rush of cabin generosity, your seat cushion can be used to grant wishes. How? By donating your airline miles to Make-A-Wish. Why? Because your frequent flyer account is stuffed as fat as your carry-on. And just like the workout clothes you packed, you're never going to use all those miles. But if you donate some to Make-A-Wish, you can give wishes wings and put sick kids right where you're sitting now. No, not in seats to Newark. Seats to fun family places, breaks from treatments and doctor visits and hospital stays, wishes to feel better, and lots of times get better too. Push your call buttons if you feel me. Alrighty then. Well, once we reach cruising altitude, you can use your electronic device to make your pledge of miles or money to make a wish at givewisheswings.org. That's givewisheswings.org. And then move about the cabin with pride, knowing that you've made a huge difference in the life of a -A make-a-wish kid. Because wishes work wonders, people. Hey, Nick Cannon here. So, of course, we all know there's lots of talent in America. But unfortunately, there's something else we've got way too much of. Childhood hunger. 17 million kids struggle with it in this country. But here's the thing. This problem is entirely solvable. Seriously, we already produce more than enough healthy, nutritious food in this country to feed every single last one of those hungry kids. We just need a way to get it to them. That's why the Feeding America Nationwide Network of Food Banks is out there every day gathering surplus food to give hope to hungry kids and their families all across the country. But they need your help. Join me in supporting Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. Together we can solve hunger. Together we're Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. I'm a firefighter. A teacher. I'm a farmer. I'm a barber. A waitress. A mom. We're all part of your community. Every day we move in and out of each other's busy lives. It's easy to take for granted all the little moments that make up our everyday. Some are good, others not so much. But that's life. It's when you experience a moment of uncertainty. Something or someone's behavior that doesn't seem quite right. These are the moments to take a pause. Because if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. It's not about paranoia. Or being afraid. It's about standing up and protecting our communities. One detail at a time. Because a lot of little details can become a pattern. We. 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 We trust our instincts. Just like you should. Because only you know what's not supposed to be in your everyday. So protect your everyday. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. 
Welcome mm-hmm. back to Let's Face It. I'm your host, Will Strayhorn. Our next guest is Miss Jill Vanderwood. She is a mother and a grandmother, as mm-hmm. well as an author of eight books. She loves to go on adventures mm-hmm. with her family, and she tries to write something every day. I wish I could do that. But Jill wrote her latest book, Erase the Problem of Bullying, because one of her grandchildren was being mm-hmm. bullied at school. Jill understands the problem of bullying because she was also bullied while she was growing up. Please help me welcome to the show Miss Jill Vanderwood. How are you doing, Jill? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. So I understand that you yourself was bullied when you were growing up. Um, can you tell us about your experience? Yes, I was in the fifth grade, and I had moved from the country to the city, and mm-hmm. it was kind of different. Everything was different. And when I told on a boy in the class, all the boys in the class decided they were going to get me back. Oh. And they just started making everything really miserable for me. Well, one of the things that happened was the girls decided that they would elect me the class president to get back at the boys. Right. And there were more girls in the class, so I was elected the class president. Mm-hmm. And when I got up in front of the class... The boys were jeering and yelling things at me, and I couldn't do anything. So I was just kind of paralyzed, so I just said, I resign, and sat down. And then they were happy because their candidate won. Uh, so in your first meeting, you, you were bullied to, to step down from your position. What was that again? You say, so in your first, your I guess your first role as the president, as president, oh, yeah. you were bullied to step down. That's terrible. Yes, and the I teacher was. did nothing? Yeah. The teacher did nothing? No. We had a teacher that was out with a pregnancy, and uh-huh. then we got a, a lot of different substitutes, so I don't think they knew how to handle the class. Wow. Wow. Mm. Hi, Jill. How are you? This is Nathaniel. Hi. So often we relate bullying. We, we so often we relate bullying to harmless fights that we used to get in when we were in school, as such as you, as well as myself. But that has really changed um, for what today's kids have experienced, or what, what what they are experiencing. How would you know if what they're experiencing today is discrimination or harassment? Okay, the definition of bullying itself is an imbalance of power. But if it's racial, like they're doing racial slurs or, you know, religion or other things, then they would, if they were actually using the name of your religion or the color of your skin, that would be harassment. Or if it's a girl and they're using feminine words, you know, body parts or something, that's harassment. Okay. Well, what about what about? Or would you just think it would be just basic teasing amongst friends? Is there a difference between bullying with just random teasing? You know how children just play, and they say, "Oh, I was just playing." Or is it just teasing? Do you think that's what it could be? Sometimes, well, if it's if it's a harassment situation, then that's not teasing. And if there's an imbalance, like I said, say that one of the kids is handicapped in some way or um, less like they're in the resource class or something at school, 
and they're using things like calling them a retard or something. That is also against the law, too. So there's an imbalance of power, then it's bullying. And if it's just friends, for instance, maybe your friend knows too much about you and they saw you do something embarrassing, so they bring that up. Well, that's just Mm -hmm. teasing. Okay. Bill, this is Danielle, and um, I have a 14-year-old who has experienced cyberbullying. And, you know, it's a type of bullying um, that has both legal issues and parents are not really prepared for it. Um, Could you describe to our listeners what cyberbullying is? Okay, cyberbullying often has somebody hiding behind their computer. You might not even know who it really is. And they start saying things about you. And then they get other kids to like their statements. Say they say, let's all hate this person today. And they all Mm -hmm. like that. And they're all against you. Or it can go even Mm -hmm. farther. For instance, my granddaughter was cyberbullied because she was in a group that was anti-drug. And when Mm -hmm. she decided to leave that group because the group was doing things that she didn't agree with, they all started bullying her so badly that it was all over Twitter and Facebook Mm. and they were even telling her to kill herself and that they were going to kill her. You know, that was cyberbullying. Yeah, and I'm sorry to hear that. And and unfortunately, I've heard other parents who have had children deal with similar issues. Um, What advice would you give to parents um, to help support someone if they are being cyberbullied? And can adults be bullied as well? Yes, adults can be bullied as well. Um, What I would say is sometimes if a parent gets really upset about it, they'll take the child off their phone or their computer for a while. And so in that way, kids won't tell their parents because they don't want to be disconnected. So you have to have some kind of a dialogue with them about this maybe before this even happens, and please tell me if this is happening and so we can work on this together. And then there are also laws. Most of the states have a law now about cyberbullying, so it's illegal, and there is no anonymous with the Internet. Say that something bad has been said on the Internet, they can go into the site and they can find out who is actually saying this. And there can even be the FBI involved if necessary. Mm, yep. Jill, what steps can children and parents take when a child is being bullied? If it's at school, for instance, you can you go to the principal, you can find out what the school policy is on bullying because all schools have a policy, and most states also have a bullying policy. Find out what that is. Find out whether that's been violated. Talk to the teacher, and sometimes that doesn't do any good, and talk to the principal. And if you have to, go all the way to the district. And in some cases, parents have to even take their kids out of that school if it won't stop, if no one's helping you and it won't stop, sometimes you have to take them out 
just so that they're safe. Well, so, Joe, I understand that you wrote your first book in your 50s, and it was published yeah. while you were in your 50s? Yeah. Yes. Really? So so what are a few of your books that you've written, and why did you get into writing them in the first place? Well, I had grandchildren, mm-hmm. and, well, I'll start back with my bullying situation. Because mm-hmm. I was bullied so much in school, I made a vow that I would never speak up, and I would never get myself into a position where I was um, in the spotlight. So I became a writer. I wrote everything down from the time of my youth because I didn't have the communication skills. I was so afraid of being um, calling attention to myself that I started writing. And then I didn't really realize that I was a writer until I was a grandmother, and I started writing stories for my grandchildren. And my first book was called Through the Rug, and it's a magical adventure with a grand granddaughter and her grandmother. That was the first book? That's the first book. The wow. second book is the same series, so oh, okay. So you're the series. So writing to you became pretty much therapeutic. Yes. And oh, it was wow. my way of communicating. Right. Because I couldn't right. communicate. Wow. Joe, where can our listeners find out more information about you, about your books, if they want to purchase them? How can they stay in contact with you? Okay, I have a website, and it's mm-hmm. Jill Vanderwood, V-A-N-D-E-R-W-O-O-D.com. And I'm also, my books are also available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com, as well as Kindle. And I have several books that are um, non-fiction now, and oh, okay. the book before this one was called "Drugs Make You Unsmarter." Unsmarter. Make you un- unsmarter, and it's written with my teenage granddaughter, and oh, she's wow. telling her story about um, growing up with a father who was on drugs and he went to prison, mm-hmm. wow. and she was telling kids to stay away from drugs. Well, that is awesome. Now, how old is your granddaughter now? She's 20. 20. Wow. What a journey. Well, I want to thank you, Jill, for coming on the show and sharing this information. It's a big topic that's in the news right about now, and um, I know a couple people. Um, I work in a, uh, I own a hair salon. I know a couple parents who always say that some of their kids are going through these same issues. So I want to thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience and then some information that hopefully these parents can use. Thank you very much. I'm excited that I was on your show. You're welcome. You're welcome. Have a good evening. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Good night. Well, I want to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have a few hot topics, and then I want to sit down and share with you my interview with Miss Coco Brown we had this weekend. She's a laugh. You're going to enjoy that. You listen to Let's Face It. We'll be right back. right away that we're going to house you, we're going to feed you, and every single one of his medical bills is just all taken care of. 
They've saved my family from financial ruin. It allowed me and my wife both to focus on the most important thing, which was the health and well-being of our son. We have phenomenal research, outstanding clinical care, and the generosity of public, which allow us to treat patients regardless of what it takes. And that's what makes St. Jude so magical. At St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because the only thing a family should worry about is helping their child live. Doctors send us the toughest cases to be treated at St. Jude, and our patients come from all over the world. When we come here, they told me, don't worry, everything's been taken care of. We can never repay St. Jude for what they've given us. Because of you. Gracias a ti. Because of you. There is St. Jude. It began with five words. If not me, then who? The Travis Mannion Foundation has taken those five words and grown them into a national movement. The Travis Mannion Foundation is dedicated to assisting our nation's veterans, families of the fallen, and the next generation of young leaders. It's about remembering the sacrifices of all the men and women who've given their lives for this country and honoring their legacies through service in your own community. It's about adopting the motto, if not me, then who, and applying it to your daily lives like so many others have already done. All these great things that we live in this beautiful country, it didn't happen because no one chose to serve. Serving should be in your blood. If not me, then who? From our 9-11 Heroes Run, to putting character to action in your community, discover how you can honor the fallen by challenging the living. Get involved at TravisMannion.org. Every child needs a place. A place to call home. To call home. Every child needs a place. Where they can grow up healthy. And learn. And be safe. Safe. A place where they can play. And dream. And plan for their future. In the Habitat House, my parents helped build. In the Habitat House, my daddy helped build. My parents. My mommy. My mommy and daddy. I study. I grow. I learn. I live. A house. A health. A house. A chance. A future. A house. A chance. A future are all in your hands. Your support can help put a decent roof over the heads of a family like mine. Like mine. Like mine. To learn how you can help, visit Habitat.org. Welcome back to Let's Face It. I have the pleasure to be sitting in the beautiful Westin Hotel with Miss Coco Brown, who is in town headlining at the Funny Bone. How are you? Fine. How are you doing, darling? Doing good. Doing good. <laughs> Welcome back to the show. You know, you were on the show in 2014. Oh, okay. Right before Ted 2. Yeah. Out. And then yeah. we all together went to go see Ted 2, laughed at it the whole time. <laughs> how was it shooting the movie? It was amazing. It was amazing. Seth MacFarlane is a comedic genius. Mm-hmm. And um, Mark Wahlberg is a complete gentleman and an, in, an incredible actor. I had a ball working on that project. You did? That's yeah. good. So, looking back at 2015, we're in the new year now. How was your 2015? What are some, some highs, some lows? What are some of your takeaways? Extreme highs, you know, was definitely, you know, Ted 2 coming out, um, you know, uh, going on tour, you know, with Mike Epps. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a few dates with him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, definitely shooting for better or worse, uh, shooting Soul Man. 
um, you know, shooting, moving to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And oh, so you're not in Atlanta? I'm in, no I'm in Atlanta now, oh, yeah. And, okay. um, you know, getting in the loops there, shooting a few independents there, you know, getting my chops wet on some dramatic stuff. Um, you know, extreme lows, you know, um, just realizing that I'm probably never going to find a man in Atlanta. Okay, what? yeah, I said it out loud. You're not, not going to find a straight man in Atlanta. Exactly. Oh, yeah. trust me, now yeah. I got gay husbands for days, honey. I love my gay husbands, honey. I just need a little something else. I want to be held. Right, 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 right. So, what can you tell us about what's ahead in 2016? Um, in 2016, you know, I'm starting off hitting the ground running. First week, I'll be in L.A. shooting The Soul Man with mm-hmm. such entertainer Nisi Nash their right. last season. So I'm excited about that. Um, February, we go back to shooting the new season of Tyler Perry, For Better or Worse. What season is this? Um, for, for Better or Worse? Yes. Six. Season six. Oh, right. Yeah. That's so awesome. we go back in February for that, so I'm excited. Um, you know, I'm actually backing on tour with Mike Epps. We're doing like 13 dates. I'm also doing some more club dates of my own. Um, you know, I'm going to be producing a lot more. I'm excited okay. about that. You know, and I'm going to be producing um, a couple of uh, short films. I'm really excited about. You know, definitely I'm going to be launching my uh, nonprofit Wigs of Love, which provides custom-made wigs for women who've lost their hair due to cancer treatment. Oh. So I'm really excited about that. And I've got some great endorsements. Mama Payne, T Payne, some others mm. come on board. Elgin Charles has come on okay. board. Derek J has come on board. Okay. So I'm so excited. Fred Sanger is one of the um, Biggest makeup, you know, yeah. celebrity uh-huh. makeup right, artist. Right. He's on board, so I'm so excited. And then, you know, I just got an endorsement with Fashion to Figure, mm-hmm. the clothing line, the clothing wow. store that's um, founded by the grandson of the great Lane Bryant, mm-hmm. and he's come on board to clothe women. I'm, I'm just super excited about my nonprofit, about right. launching that. Mission. Where did that whole passion come from, the nonprofit? Where- I lost a girlfriend to breast cancer, and she fought it twice. And I have another girlfriend that's going through um, breast cancer for the second time as well, okay. and um. Noticing how they tried to act like it wasn't a big deal, but it really messed them up that they lost all their hair. Mm-hmm. You know, as black women, we're taught that our hair is our crown of glory. glory. Right. And um, if you don't have long hair down your back and you got good edges, honey, mm-hmm. you, you, you ain't winning. I, I'm familiar. And um, yeah, let's keep it real. Yeah. And so to see them try to act like it was okay, but I knew my girls. Mm-hmm. And um, one of them I did lose, um, and I miss her so, Vanessa. And she just inspired me because she used to always compliment me on my wigs. And whenever we would hang out, I would end up leaving a wig with her. Same okay. with my friend Nina, who's battling breast cancer now. We were down in Texas with her recently, and I was like, there's a wig shop, and I bought her a bunch of funky wigs, you mm-hmm. know. And I said, you know, it's just so funny that I said, you know, women just want to be able to be still feel pretty. Right. And they're going through such a traumatic experience right. of chemotherapy mm-hmm. and all this treatment. So I was really going through my wigs one day, realized I had a lot of wigs mm-hmm. I didn't wear anymore, nice wigs. And I started giving them to people mm-hmm. that I knew were you know, going through that. And I said, you know, I'm going to talk to my friends. Maybe I can get some custom-made wigs. You know, some of these wigs that we wear on set are, you know, tens of thousands of right. dollars. And we wear them twice. And then they go in a closet mm-hmm. in a box. Mm-hmm. Or they just... Right, exactly. Yeah. There's a woman out there that would love this exactly. beautiful hair, and to get you know celebrity stylists to give them a makeover and cut the hair mm-hmm. and shape it and style it and mm-hmm. you know beat that face for right. them, put right. them in a nice outfit and you know kind of present them to the world as survivors. That's what I want to do. So you know, it was all for my girls Vanessa and Nina. That's awesome. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Mm-hmm. So, for those who do not know, you're originally from Newport News. Yeah, born and raised. And then. You, you transitioned over to L.A. And really, you didn't go to L.A. for um, to be a comedian. No. You went to be an actress. Yep, absolutely. So you're drawn, I'm, I'm drawn to the lights. Uh-huh. I became entirely <laughs> different under the lights. Right. So what is it about acting that you really, really love? You know, I love being able to transform and step outside of myself. Mm-hmm. 
you know, um, when, when I'm playing these different characters, you know, it's fun to make believe mm-hmm. and be different people, right. you know, and I get to use emotions when I'm dealing with. Sometimes, you know, as a stand-up comic, if you're going through something hurtful or traumatic, it's hard. You can you can take pain on stage, but sometimes it's a little too deep, and it's not funny. And when you're playing these roles and you're having to be this real person, you're having to make it authentic, you can use those emotions to authenticate. Yeah, right. So I love acting for that. It's a, a way of me being able to purge what I'm going through sometimes through the character. And people think, oh, my gosh, it was so believable, not knowing I used something that I was going through to make that character right. so believable. Right. So is there anything about acting that's more challenging than perhaps you thought or that's maybe difficult? Um. Sometimes, you know, like when you work on a sitcom, like for better or worse, sometimes there's like very deep episodes, mm-hmm. and we've shot, you know, sometimes three episodes a day, mm-hmm. and so you've been laughing the last two episodes, and now you got the last episode, Again. and you cry, uh-huh. but you've been laughing all day, so now you got to go in a corner and think about the worst, the most saddest uh-huh. thing in your life and try to get your head right through right. tears. That's about it, really? you know. Well, good. Yeah. So you're you're walking in your passion, then. I feel so. I, I feel I feel yeah, I feel like that. I do. And I know yeah. Mr. Tyler Perry. He was very influential in helping you launch your career. Absolutely, right. absolutely. So what is it like being in this, because Tyler, he's helped so many people in, mm-hmm. in our community. Yeah. What is it like being in that Tyler family, the Tyler Perry media family? It's amazing. I mean, I know when we first started, I think what I loved about it was just this sense of respect and um, consideration from everyone in that studio, from the lady dumping your trash all the way up to the great guy. Oh, really? Okay. And it's a, it's a love fest sometimes. You walk in, you know everybody, you hug everybody. We pray every day before we start filming. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my my castmates and I, we're, we're family. We mm-hmm. check on each other. When I gave birth to my son, my entire cast came to visit me in the hospital. Tyler Perry sent so many flowers, they thought somebody died. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, yeah. you know, it's like, it, it's, 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 it's a love, you know. We, we we have a love and a respect and admiration for each other when we work together. What you see on that screen is authentic, is true. We're friends, we're family, mm. and that's the feeling in that studio, that that whole studio. This one, and I've read in other interviews, like with people, um, other people who Tyler has worked with, that they've said similar things. Yeah, that you, it's like a bond, a family. Yeah, it's a family. Because I guess in LA, there is not. Uh, that that sense of camaraderie. No, I've been on some sets where you're seeing people on screen play like the best of friends. Uh-huh. They all live together, something like that. Mm-hmm. And when they say cut, then people scatter like roaches and don't speak to each other no more. Really? So yeah, I mean it's it's weird, you know, just be on a set and be on a show and be, you know, a part of a company like the Tyler Perry family that, you know, you actually see genuine we care about each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that you've done Tyler Perry. You've done Jennifer. On on the on the hit yeah. series, uh-huh. you've done Ted too, which I really loved you in. Yeah. Um, Single Moms Club. Mm-hmm. What's this role that you have not done yet that you really want? Who do you want to play? What do you want to play? <laughs> My dream role is to play Aretha Franklin. I would love to play Aretha Franklin. Because you can sing. I, I can, can sing a little sing. bit. A little something. A little something. Uh, <laughs> I would, honey, but Happy New Year got me out. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would give you something. But, but um, yeah, I, you know, I think that, you know, it's funny how um, the one director that actually made me go, okay, let me get back in the studio. Let me get back with my vocal coach. I have an incredible vocal coach, uh, C.J. Emmons. Mm-hmm. He's the vocal coach for The Voice. Okay. And um, he's coached me for Dream Girls, and I auditioned for that. And Women of Rooster Place, the musical, oh. auditioned for that. So you can sing, sing. I can sing a little something, something. I, 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 I need to train my voice more. Uh-huh. But C.J. tells me all the time, Heather, you can sing. Uh-huh. You can sing. Uh-huh. <laughs> but... Um, now that you kind of Lee Daniels has kind of opened up that Pandora's box by having me sing for him mm-hmm. for an audition, 
I'm gonna get back in the studio and you know work on it because I, I what on my bucket list is to actually do like a jazz album before I die. Really? Yeah. I yeah. would love to hear that. Yeah. Have you ever thought about Broadway? I yeah yeah I I think you know I would love to eventually do Broadway. I think theater is one of my first passions. Uh-huh. First play I ever did I was five you know in fifth grade. Uh-huh. So um, I would love to you know definitely do Broadway one day and like um like you know right now I think. Um, Nene Leakes is playing it, uh, Big Mama Gordon. Right, 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 right. And I know that my um, my my vocal coach CJ trained her as well. But mm-hmm. he says, Coco, that's a role that you're born for. You could play Big Mama Horton, or you know, um, uh, Big Mama Maybell from Hairspray. Uh huh. You know, so I don't know. You know, um, we'll see. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm gonna just change the mood of the conversation. I have some some rumors that I want to clear up, perhaps. Okay. Um, some things I maybe heard you say, maybe some other people say. Okay. Did Did you purchase a brand new body part recently? Did you get a <laughs> brand, new, brand new booty? I did, honey. <laughs> I had to go to Atlanta get me some booty. I had to compete. <laughs> Them stallions out there. You know, don't get me wrong. It grew a little bit by drinking the Georgia water. Uh-huh. But um, I did have. A, I'm not. I'm not ashamed to say uh-huh. I had a little tummy tuck, and I put all that tummy in my booty. Right. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yes, I did. Okay, and you know your next president, President Trump. <laughs> I'm gonna sip my tea because if y'all can see me right now, I'm sipping tea. <laughs> I'm sipping we, tea right now. I, I've heard you already have your plan. If mm-hmm. he becomes president, you already you know call friends overseas. You mm-hmm. know you're not gonna live here no more. Girl, no, I was in England last week and I told all my friends, let's go look at some flats. Let's go look at some apartments because if Trump gets in office, I'm moving here. Really? I can deal with the queen. Why do you think he's doing so good? It it just shows the the true. The true, the true foundation of this country. Uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah. it just shows that I keep thinking, in some crazy way, it's going to be he's going to um, get the nomination mm-hmm. and be like, "Gotcha!" Now look in the mirror at all you racist, old, yeah. ignorant people. Mm-hmm. What is wrong with this country? I keep thinking he's going to hit us with "Gotcha" because he's saying stuff that's so left, mm-hmm. it's so crazy. That I'm like. People, really? Mm-hmm. This is what we're doing? Yeah. I mean, build a wall, make the Mexicans swim back, and oh, it's, it's just like he's saying the craziest crap ever, and people are like, yeah, and I'm like, wow. So I'm thinking he's going to be like, gotcha, you racist dog. I know. I don't know. It's, I think I'm going to be with you. If he's going to send us back anyway. Uh, yeah, you know, you know that yeah. boat's ready. Yeah. This boat's ready for yeah. us. Yeah, I hope, y'all, I hope y'all can swim, black folks. Exactly. It's going to be, we, we going through the Middle Passage back home. <laughs> <laughs> so, Viola Davis. Have you ever met Viola? Love her. I have not. You have not. And she, oh, God, but I love her. Who I would do. you want to meet? Viola. Viola. Definitely okay. Viola. I want to meet Viola. Um, I would love to meet Denzel. Okay. You know, I would love to meet, um, I would love to meet Barack. I need to meet Barack just once. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to, for some reason, I just want to play spades with Barack just one time. I just feel like he'd probably be the best spades partner uh-huh. ever. Yeah. He's so real, right? <laughs> he is so real. But no, so real. but you know, I, um. Yeah, but I I would love to meet Viola. I think I, it's funny when I first met the great Miss Cicely Tyson, mm-hmm. I was so enamored of her r- regalness, mm-hmm. graceful, her just graceful, just everything about her quiet. that I curtsied. Yeah, <laughs> I've never curtsied in my life, but I literally all those debutante balls from uh-huh. high school came, came back, back, all those millions came back, and I was like. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, you know. And How I, was that experience? Amazing. She's just regal. She's just, she just reeks of just regal. 
And, you know, and she's such a class act. Such yeah. a lady. Uh-huh. Just, oh, you know. And I'm going to tell you who else is like that. Felicia Rashad. Okay. She's like, I our, can see that. She's just, you know, just women who are just so, oh, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, Miss Ruby D. Mm-hmm. Oh, when I met Miss Ruby, I curtsied. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, Miss Ruby D. You know, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I don't know. Those are the women I admire, you know. Yeah. Um, it's so funny, funny story. When I, I met, took my mom to an event that Tyler was having in his home, mm-hmm. and it was for a 50th birthday party for Oprah, and I took my mom. I surprised took my mom. No, you did throw that. She went to his home, so okay. Yes, okay. yes, yes. The big home. The I've big. been to all three, yes. Oh. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> let me stop, let me stop. But, um, and I took my mom, uh-huh. you know, and she's just a sweet old lady from, you know, my mom, you know, from 13th Street in downtown Nupa News. Right. You know, she understands her daughter's in this business, but she's still like, child, whatever. Uh-huh. You know, you still my baby. You still Farrah, right. which I love, and so my mom, Angela Bassett, I know well. Mm-hmm. You know her, her Courtney, her husband. So when Angela was walking by, I said, "Oh, Angela, you might meet my mom." She said, "Sure." So at the time, my mother was talking to Loretta Devine, mm-hmm. who is also one of my yes. idols. I love her. She's one of my sheroes. I swear, her Jennifer Lewis sheroes. And uh, she was talking to Loretta Devine, and I tapped my mom. I said, "Mom, I want you to meet Angela Bassett." Mm-hmm. And she turned around and she said, oh, hi, baby. And she oh. turned back around like total shade. And she goes, Lord Jesus, it's <laughs> Tina. I said, Mother, really? <laughs> it's Tina, yeah. Lord Jesus. And when I tell you, Angela and Courtney fell out. Because uh-huh. I was like, Mom, did you just throw shade at Angela Bassett? You know? But she was be talking to Loretta. Right, right. But then she hit her. She goes, Lord Jesus, it's Tina. I said, Mother, it's not Tina. No. <laughs> it's funny because we do have these roles that we attach to certain people. Who? When, when people see you, do they call you? Oh, God, I get called Jennifer all the time. Do you? Hey, Jennifer. Uh-huh. Hi, Jennifer. I'm like, hey. <laughs> you know. I mean, but you got to embrace it. Yeah. I was like, you know, yeah. last night when you I went crazy. out with friends, yeah. you know, I'm getting recognized like crazy. People want selfies and pictures. And my friends, you know, that I grew up with that I was with last night, they were like, Ernest, don't you get sick of this? And I said, no, because it's what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. How you going to get mad for what you signed up for? Yeah. How you going to be a doctor and get mad you got blood on you? You right. signed up for this, right. you know? Right. You know, how you you football player, how you going to get mad you get hit? You signed up for this. Right. So you just got to take, you know, what you signed up for and mm-hmm. take the bumps and the bruises with it. Okay. So back to Viola Davis, you know she just won the Emmy. Just won the Emmy. Yeah. She's the first African American woman to win mm-hmm. leading actress in a drama series. Yeah. But you know during her speech she opened up with Harriet Tubman talking about reaching across mm-hmm. that line. Yeah. Um, and then the difference between a woman of color basically in Hollywood and right. anyone else is pretty much the opportunity. Yeah. Have you faced that? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the thing about you know Hollywood is being a black actor or a black actress. Period. Is that you know there's no Barriers mm-hmm. where there's barriers for I think white actors, mm-hmm. where you won't have a no-name actor sitting in the same room auditioning for a role as um, you know uh, uh, Meryl Streep. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whereas I have sat in auditions where I'm sitting across from Oscar winners, and I'm like, why are you auditioning? Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, people yeah. that have had illustrious careers in this business, mm-hmm. especially, you know, in the 80s and 90s or whatever, and now I'm seeing across from them auditioning for six lines. Right. And it's like, wow, you know, like, what's going on? And then, too, you know, being a plus-size black woman in Hollywood, they automatically assume you're funny. Mm-hmm. And they automatically put you in a category of funny, fat sidekick. Oh. And they act okay. like you can't be a lead. You mm-hmm. can't be serious. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though, you know, like I said, you know, Octavia Spencer, who I absolutely adore and love her because she started just the way I did, making little pop-ups in movies, and now look at her mm-hmm. now, you know, with an Oscar mm-hmm. on her mantle. And 
But at the same token, even in the help, she was funny. Mm-hmm. Minnie was funny. Right. Minnie you know, Minnie, yeah. And then it's funny how they do Viola Davis. Mm-hmm. You know, people look at Viola in all the roles, like when she was in Antoine Fisher, mm-hmm. you know, and she was in The Help, and she was oh, in right, um, right. the movie with Meryl Streep, you know. Um, it's oh, funny, wow, she's yeah. always, right, she's always looked so downtrodden, right, down. you know, like Harriet Tubman, you mm-hmm. know, that's what she do. Yeah. You know, but when you see her in, in on the red carpet, red? she's gorgeous. Uh-huh. As Annalise, she's yeah. gorgeous. Yes, yes, Honey, yes, when yes. she snatched that wig off, I said, yes, I, I said, love you. I said, put it back on. You know what? what? You have to understand the significance. <laughs> yes, it was scary because if I try to snatch mine off right now, I'd be like Leroy from Fame. But look, all I'm saying uh-huh. is that it was a symbolic gesture yeah, yeah, yeah. that I'll clean up mm. and be pretty anytime I want, but uh-huh. I'll give you this ugly, downtrodden black woman for these coins. Mm-hmm. I know that's right. And I'm like, I love her for that, that's you right. know. And she's right. You know, me trying to convince Hollywood that I can do drama mm. is a challenge for mm. me. You know, even with the weight loss, it's like, well, are you trying to be a love interest? Why not? You know, I commend Queen Latifah. She created her own vehicle to be love interest. Mm-hmm. They weren't going to give that to her, mm-hmm. you know, because she's a taller, bigger woman. Yeah. You know, and one time they did, she played gay. I mean, you know how they do. Yeah, right. So it's like, you know, I just hope that I can do more dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I take it now not as a diss or something to be sad about. I think it is an honor when I'm sitting across Emmy winners and Oscar winners going for the same role because that lets me know that I'm closer to that level than exactly. I thought. You know, so it's, it's all a blessing, guys. Well, I believe we're going to get there. Thank you. I can't wait to Thank see you. it. Thank you for coming back on the Thank show. Let, up, let up the listeners know how they can follow you on social media. You guys can Google me because I'm a little bit of everywhere. I'm on Periscope and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and all those Snapchats. But what you can do is you can Google me, Coca Brown, C-O-C-O-A Brown, C-O-C-O-A Brown. Please add that A, honey, because if you don't, you will get a porn star, and that's not me. Coca Brown, C-O-C-O-A Brown. Also, my website, Coca Brown, the number four, life.com. Awesome. Thank you again. Thank you, darling. Thank you, Thank you, honey. We're watching. Thank you. Thank you, right. sweetie. Right. She was great. She was really, she was really cool to interview. I enjoy working with My cuss do good. My cuss yeah. do good. Yes. <laughs> I was supposed to do her face last night, but um, she got held up. You know she's from Newport News, and we got um, she got yeah. held up. So I, was, I wasn't able to go over there and do that. But I was looking forward to it. I went shopping for some new products. But I'll catch mm-hmm. her next time. I'll catch her next time. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love that interview. We, Will, you did an awesome job. And it, it just you. flowed like a conversation. I said, yeah, we were having so much fun. We did so much laughing before the interview that we forgot we weren't even report, recording. So she's really cool. <laughs> real cool. Yes, do it. She's yeah. funny. Yes, yeah, she is. So, Danielle, we have uh, another hot topic to discuss. Yes, yes, we do. And this topic mm-hmm. is interesting. Um, and so I'm sure you have seen the story with Keisha Knight Pullum. And when I first saw it, I was confused because I said, oh, she engaged her and Tigger getting married. And then I looked and I said, hold up, that's not Tigger. Who is this? <laughs> and so I read the article and I was like, okay, I'm confused because I'm sure uh, it wasn't even less than a year he was talking about his boo being overseas doing a role or preparing for a role. Well, my question for all of you is, when is it too soon to move from one mate to another, and would you date an ex of your business partner or colleague? 
Oh, Lord. Uh, Child. Juicy, juicy, juicy. Oh, man. I don't really think there is a time period to move on. When you're ready. When you're ready. Three years. Did you say three years? Oh, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If I dated you and we just broke up, if it, I give you three years. But if I see you out with somebody else in like two or three months, you and that other person gonna have problems. <laughs> Why? Why, Jay? I because hear because I this is my thing. There should be if we especially if we've been dating for a while. How is it that you're still moving? You know what the the loyal person always ends up with a broken heart, and the other person moves on so quickly. I, I I just feel as though that if you've been in a relationship for a while, it should take some time. To heal, I think you need to. It, it just, I think you just need to find time to just get yourself together. Why jump from one situation to another so quickly? I mean, th- that lets me know that there was no connection. How can you? How can you really say that you're in love with someone and you just broke up with someone else? It's like two days ago. Let's be real. So, think about that. So, so are you talking about dating, or are you talking about in a serious relationship? But period, because I mean, Keisha, but Keisha was in a. From what I gather, that was a serious relationship, wasn't she? With yeah. It was years. That was, a, that was that was some time, and then, and the crazy thing about it is, this is what's so crazy. Okay, I'm not here to gossip, but anyway, this is so crazy. So Keisha was really like, like this was just like a few weeks ago. She was just like at an event with Lisa Wu, which is Ed's ex-wife. Uh-huh. So I mean, they were shaking hands, giving hugs. Hey, girl, hey, and mind you, I just saw Ed at a charity event just, like, a couple months ago. He's, like, really cool down to earth, but he was by himself. But I didn't have, there was no woman on his arm. He seemed like he was, you know, pretty single, but that's neither here nor there. But I just I just find it kind of like, wow, that just seems a little, a little dangerous. It, it is quick. And the picture was weird because, like, he had his eyes closed. Like, he didn't want to be seen, and she was grinning, oh. and I would have felt some type of way. Because well, why is he covering up your face? Like, the story is weird for me. I'm like, is she trying to get married because maybe Tigger didn't want to get married? I'm reading into the story. But I'm just confused because I was like, how would you be with someone for all them years that all of a sudden be engaged to someone else? I think well, it we was are too talking soon. about celebrities. Celebrities yeah, do right. things. They do things to get people talking. Um, You know, we don't know much about Ed. You know, we don't mm-hmm. hear much about him when, except when he was on Housewives with Lisa. That that got shot down after one season, and then they divorced so quickly after. You know, there was rumors that he didn't have the money no more. She didn't want him. We don't know. But mm-hmm. we don't really know much about him. So we, people don't really talk too much about Keisha either, besides surrounding the Cosby situation. But other mm-hmm. than that, I mean, you know, these celebrities put things out there to get us talking. So, and we're talking. Definitely. Well, you and know, it's something well, to think about, though. Okay, so here, here, here's my version. Let me give you my my my, okay. my version real quick. Okay, so you know, all heard about it. Keep talking about it. Sixteen years, just got out of a relationship, and mm-hmm. for me, I didn't get into a relationship, but I started dating um, three months afterwards, and then now we're I don't six like that. months. We're six months out. We're now seven months because we're in the new year. And my ex and someone that I'm dating was at our Christmas party, and it was no problem. I mean, both were cordial, both were talking. Um, I just think it depends on the maturity level. I think it depends on how the relationship ended. 
Um, and things are going good. I mean, it's not anybody that I'm seriously seeing, but it's it's a love interest, I guess you would say. And we were all in the same house. You know, the whole team yeah. was there, and they saw how things went on. There was no friction. Mm. Yeah. Wheel. Yeah. I'm so glad that that is working for you, but that definitely would not work for me. Yeah, I, that's I, what I'm I mean, saying. You know, it depends but, on how. But, but, yeah. you, but, but you and I have already discussed this. We'll talk more off air. Okay. But, you know, okay. I, just, well. I, just, I, I, just, I just don't know. It's just something about, I think it's like, okay, so let me tell you the situation. I had two friends, had two friends that were dating at one time. They are no longer in a relationship anymore, yet in still they consistently hang out together. And, of course, they're still intimate with each other. So when we go out, if someone is flirting with another person, the other one gets mad. And then there's an argument. But I don't understand why are you mad if you're not dating anymore, you're not together. Clearly there's still a connection. Maybe the other person's lingering around hoping that maybe, uh-huh. you, know, you know, this person will come along and say, okay, I want to be back with you. I tried the dating thing. I put my net out there. I didn't catch anything. Everything I caught was just random. Because, you know, when you've been in a relationship for 16-plus years and you try to go out dating, it's different. You're putting your mm-hmm. back out there. You yeah. can't trust yeah. nobody. You don't know who to trust. And right. it's just a different thing. And you find yourself dating younger people and, it's just crazy. Uh, you find yourself, oh. Well, I think dating is okay because you have to get back out there and, and, and start establishing relationships with other people if the relationship is over because you right. need to do that. They say the best way to get over an ex is to have a new book. So you need yeah. to start getting out there it and socializing. Work. But I don't think it helps to get engaged. I don't know about all like, that. Keisha took it to the next mean? level. She engaged mm. now. So well, it wasn't like just, she took this period of time to date and meet somebody and get to know them. She went from one long-term relationship to an engagement. So if you would say after 16 years, within six months, I'm getting married, then I would say, well, pump your brakes, something right. Well, no. Here's my thing, though. When people do that, who is to mm-hmm. say they weren't already dating that person while they were in a relationship mm-hmm. with the other one? That's, See, that, that's mean, another question. That's another question you ask. Yeah. I just think it really, especially in today's and times, it depends on the person. When you say how soon is too soon, I think it really depends on the person because, again, mm-hmm. there are some people you don't have no problem. You drop dead Monday, uh, Monday evening, I already got your replacement booth. Because some people, Lord. it's like, I can't. But you, be without a person. So some people are just, mm-hmm. I can't be without a person. So if you go, I don't care how long we're together. If you go today, drop dead, you leave, whatever happens, by tonight, I moved on. Or some people, you was dating number two while you was in the relationship. So we might well, think it seems a little quick, but sure. y'all have been together for a long time. You just, you know, interweave. So each person, based <laughs> on what your standards are, Based on what you want, um, mm. that's mm. what you do. All I can say is for the person that entertains that person, you better do your research because if that ain't how you get down, you better know who you're getting in a relationship with or who you're dating. Well, that, the situation that I had, I, this particular person I was dating, this person kept bringing up their ex all the time to the mm. point where I knew I knew his full name. I mm-hmm. Googled him. I, I found him on Facebook. 
Mm-hmm. Baby, I was like, why are you still bringing this person up if you're if you're trying mm-hmm. to do something with me? I don't want to hear about – it's nothing wrong with talking about your past relationships and what you mm-hmm. did wrong and how you want to do things right, but that told me that he was not over that person. And whatever right. that person had done to him, it still resonated with him, and he was moving on a little too quick, and well, that's why it, re- it didn't work out. It, I don't, and he had not settled that situation, and mm-hmm. it, I thought it was mm-hmm. distance that was causing the issue, but I really think it was the past relationship that caused so much hurt that he wasn't over. And I think he was trying to jump into something else and trying to, to get make over. me the ex. And, uh, he was trying to make me the ex, and I ain't the ex, because, baby, you know, we on different levels. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wow. My God. But there are people that believe in rebound love. That's how they get over or try to get over the hey. first one. So, yeah. you know, if you move too fast, it's because... Present. I'm trying to use you to heal me from the one I just left. Well, they you you dropped dead Monday. I picked you up Monday night. Uh, I tequila will heal you. There's nothing wrong with having a cocktail. That'll heal you. It'll get over it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to comment on, this, on the second part of the question. I, and I'm actually going to take it a little bit further. Um, would you date a ex of a friend? Um, actually, my ex was dating who was my best friend at that time when when we met. Um, and we started dating. But it was a situation where my best friend, he was a dog. I knew that he was using my ex. Uh, my ex expressed interest to me from to another person who let me know. And we just started dating. And like I said, we lasted 16 years. So, you know, that was a situation. I probably would have sure. never done that. If I, had I had not known that my, my best friend was a dog and was only using him, you know, for – Certain things, but um, I Lord, well, uh, is you still friends? Yeah, mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving and Christmas. Wow, Ooh. you mean yeah. that? I mean, because they were not your I knew ex, exactly what it was. was your ex. I saw, yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. You mean my best friend at that time? Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. the one that I mean, he still calls my mom and dad. Mom and dad, he calls me his brother and everything. Yeah, I mean, because I knew that. You know how friends talk. I knew that he he had no interest in him other than what he was getting. So, mm. well, I'll say this: I'm a female, mm. and I don't mean I'm not trying to stereotype women, but I'm just saying I would not date <laughs> the ex no. of a friend because, Heck honey, no. women. I knew, I knew the whole time while I was with my man, you was looking at my man. I knew the whole time you wanted him. I knew the whole time that it. Honey, no, no. Yeah, so see, I women do too. It. No, I don't believe yeah. in sharing. I don't want nothing you had. Well, he had me first. You know what? We ain't gonna go there. <laughs> we ain't gonna. I just go in another pond, another pool. We can't go there. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The Mm-mm. images are too real. Like my, I can see my best friend bent over in positions, and I just, I just can't. Whoa. Well, but, <laughs> it but, don't but, work. But it, but it happens every day. I was dating it do. One, a person once. I was dating a person one time, and their friends, for for some reason, did not like me. I don't know why his friends didn't like me, but they did not like me. As soon as me and him stopped dealing with each other, I started getting friend requests from all his friends and inbox messages. Hey, how you doing? And I don't see you mm-hmm. around anymore. So it's just almost as if like sometimes you have to be careful about who you bring your your dates around and. And, and you got to trust your, your friends and who you're dealing with. you got to make sure that that foundation that your relationship is on is, is, is pretty grounded because, man, you don't know. I mean, people do some sly stuff on the side. That's why you keep your mouth shut and don't tell all the other relationships about your business. 
And and I, I said I would wait a while because I was dealing with a daughter who already had her own stuff. So, right, um, right. And, but and for me, it was because I wanted to help someone, and I had a space uh-huh. where I could do that. But a lot of people do it for money. Yeah, I mean, it was very and obvious I, that this is what they were doing. They were he was talking about home renovations, cars, chips. I was like, right. oh my uh-huh. god. That and we supposed to go for helping with the kids, but you know, as evidently they would have had the canned food. Yeah. yeah, as someone that does not have children, um, that has always been one of the things on my bucket list um, mm-hmm. when I get to a certain age. Um, because I feel like, to me, what is the saddest part is 18, they age out of the system. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. old school, it used to be, here's the bus ticket, here's a certain mm-hmm. amount of money, and buy. And I thought, what a tragedy that these kids, all these years, home to home, no one was saving up money for them to go to college. No one was really trying to teach and prepare them life skills. How do you transition? How do you do this? The things that in a healthy home should be done. Um, so I've toyed with the idea of opening up a transitional home for those children who age out, um, oh, as well nice. as being just a foster parent as well. But I think in that case it's no different from regular people that have kids. You have those people that were having babies just to get a check. Yep. And those are your own natural children. So if it's dumb for you to do that for something that has half your DNA just so you can get additional checks and funding, well, you know if there's a system out there that has an overabundance of children, and I see, oh, I can get a thousand plus dollars a month for this kid, plus they're going to get their insurance, and I, I need this money. If I get about two or three of y'all, it's always someone that has the wrong heart, the wrong spirit, does not care about that child, but just sees a check. Wow. That's terrible. It is. Well, well you know, we have gotten through yeah. our very first show of the season. Excited. Happy yeah. New Year, everybody. Do you all have any Thank closing you. words that you want to tell the audience um, after this first show of the New Year? This was quite the show. Uh, yes, Lord. Yeah, well, I, want, I want everyone to be consistent in 2016. Consistent Amen. is the word. Consistent. Yeah. yeah. And I want everybody to streamline and strategize. That's my my uh, message for the season um, because we can be so busy at working and really busy at doing a lot of great things. But, you know, there are people that work themselves into a depression. Mm-hmm. Just mm-hmm. because they are so focused in everything that they're doing and have so many irons in the pot that they don't practice self-care and take care of themselves. And you cannot give from an empty vessel. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We have a, a special guest coming on next week um, who has a, a good – she was intended for this show. Something came up, but she's going to come in next week um, to share her message for the new year. So make sure you tune in next Sunday, same place, same time. And have a blessed week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Face It with Will Strayhorn and Friends. We ask that you visit www.letsfaceitradio.com for up-to-date information on future shows, special guests, advertising opportunities, and exciting interactive ways that you can be a part of the show. Join us next week. Same time, same place, for real people 
Real topics, real talk. Let's face it.